All right, now that I've unmuted myself, <laughs> welcome everyone to the late edition of the Weekend Wrap this week. Uh, lots to talk about the Crows gallant in defeat, um, but whether that actually means anything is another thing. So uh, instead of crapping on about it, let's get right into it. Good evening and welcome to everyone who's joined us on the weekend wrap on this late edition. Uh, Eight o'clock because of the stupid Western Australian time. Um, But uh, nevertheless, not a bad uh, bad result for the Crows, even though we uh, didn't get the chocolates. Joining me tonight, uh, well, first of all, uh, in the absence of Nikki, uh, because uh, she's a little bit crook, I've got someone else who's a little bit crook. Macca, how are you going? Yeah, no, no, we'll soldier on, mate. A bit Ooh. crazy, but we'll soldier on. Wow. <laughs> that doesn't sound good at all, mate. <laughs> oh, how long you had that for? Uh, this is day five. Day five, goodness me. <laughs> That's horrific. <laughs> oh, never mind, never mind. Uh, look, uh, thanks to everyone who's joined us on... Uh, YouTube and on Discord, uh, we had a great Discord um, chat going on today, uh, which was really good to see. Um, so uh, hopefully uh, we have a good Discord chat tonight as well. And welcome to everyone who also is working with us on Twitch. Don't forget, if you want to support the cast, you go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. But Macca, before you conk out, yeah, I reckon... <laughs> Before you conk out, I reckon we might have to just uh, get you uh, to do your beloved, beloved Macca. <laughs> yeah, mate. I'm All right, let's get up already. Let, let's get right into it, mate. Give us the stats. Uh, give us the. Uh, hang on, what am I even bloody talking about here? Hang on a minute. Uh, right, so. There we go, and let's give it a bit of a... I don't know what's going on here. Uh, right. Oh, Mac, what am I doing? I don't know, mate. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Let's go. There we go. <laughs> oh, shit, it's all fun and games here today. All right, Macca. Yeah, mate. Cats by t- cats by twenty one points on uh, Friday night. Ten goals, eight sixty eight to St Kilda. Five goals, seventeen forty seven. A margin of twenty one points. I thought it was a boring game of footy. Very good summary. Um, uh, the Saints blew their chances. They had uh, in the first quarter probably seven or eight shots that should have been goals, and they kicked points, and they ended up losing by twenty one. And uh, you know they say that bad shot kicking for goal is bad footy, and uh, so it proved to be. You know, Saints, uh, they fought on very well. But, you know, as I said, they blew their chances. Duncan and Guthrie were outstanding as mid for Geelong. Brad Crouch, he got 28 touches, Fiend, and some of them actually went to a teammate. 
But he did end up with a fractured cheekbone for his effort. Yeah, he did. That's uh, not good for Bradley. Uh, that'll keep him out for a couple, I'd imagine. Um, but it wasn't a bad game by Brad. And it wasn't a bad game by St Kilda. They just didn't convert. So uh, bad kicking is bad footy, as we all know, mate. So Brad says he's playing next week. So we'll see. Well, that'll be interesting. Uh, we had Sydney getting up over Collingwood 10-12-72. Sydney to Collingwood 5-12-42, a margin there of 30 points. The uh, Collingwood yeah, well, are continuing. Yeah, well, I have to say, I, I hate to say you're right, Sam, but I've looked through the Sydney side and you are right. They're not an inexperienced side at all. They've got no, a not lot really. of experienced players. And they've got good experienced places in the right spots, which make, is one of the reasons why they're going so well. Um, on the other side of the, the coin, Collingwood, I thought they were absolutely pathetic. They were a very ordinary side. Um, Dugowie is possibly the most overrated player in the AFL. He's yeah. getting big money for doing absolutely bugger all. And if I was Collingwood, I would definitely trade him, no doubt about that. Um, well, he's the one, so that, he's that, the one that they banked everything on. Like, he's the one that they, I had, mean, they and, got rid of Trelaw and got rid of bloody uh, Stevenson and all the rest of it, uh, you know... The guys, the, the the fat cat with all the coin at Collingwood at the moment, apart from Grundy, of course. Well, I think the Grundy's only he's played all right, but he's not playing as well as he he was before he got his great big fat contract either. I think he's a no, little no. bit of a satisfied satisfied fat cat now, and uh, yes. they've got an ordinary midfield. And Buckley's got to be in great stride; he really does. Well, I think that whole club has needed a refresh from the uh, from the Maguire era, and Buckley's a big part of that Maguire era. I mean, Buckley was uh, Buckley was a beneficiary of the succession plan, and um, you know, I, whether Buckley can coach or not is an, another question entirely. I just think the club itself needs a refresh. I, I yeah. saw during the week that Jeff Brown has. Uh, thinking about making a run for the presidency because the current guy's just essentially Eddie's right-hand man. So uh, I think there's a lot to go on or a lot to play out at Collingwood over the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah, I saw a suggestion in the chat there that, you know, it might be worth approaching trying to get Grundy and take his contract on with Collingwood playing part of it because if they go for a total rebuild because... Uh, Rob O'Brien at the moment is going very, very bad. Very, very bad. Well, I think it was uh, Adelaide's offer to Grundy in the first place that made Collingwood blink um, and offer him that astronomical salary. Um, I don't know, Mac. I don't know. We've got a couple of other fish to fry at the moment. Uh, Ruck is a problem, but, uh, yeah, I don't know whether we need to pull the trigger on that one just yet. Uh, But if they come... yeah, if they shop him around, we'd certainly uh, be silly not to be in the hunt. Um, look, mm. we had uh, North Melbourne getting up over Hawthorns. That he, uh, I think it was PJ Crows in the in the chat said the tanking begins. Uh, North thirteen nine eighty seven um, doing a worse job than Hawthorn of losing uh, Hawthorn twelve eight eighty. So Hawthorn winning that game by losing uh, North by seven points. What a debacle! Yeah. Well, you know, I saw glimpses of that, and Hawthorne are terrible. They really are. And, I mean, they are. Is Clarkson up for a rebuild, or does he piss off to another club? Because at the moment, uh, he has got a very, very ordinary team, and they'll end up challenging North Melbourne for that bottom spot if they play like that every week. They, they were very, very ordinary. And, 
no, I heard Clarkson talking about his team as if, and uh, he was talking as if it has still got some upside in it. Well, I, I just can't see it. And uh, as for North Melbourne, well, they may well have played themselves out of any chance of getting that priority pick that they were just pouting around. They probably weren't going to oh, get it anyhow. That's not but... going to happen, no. But uh, no. I think that North Melbourne, they, they, they are doing a rebuild and they're on the right track. Yeah, look, um, we spoke briefly about the Clarkson situation last week, didn't we? And I got a sneaking suspicion, speaking about Collingwood, that uh, if Buckley does get the ask, Clarkson will be number one on their list. Absolutely number one on their shopping list, I would imagine. Well, he'd be number one on a lot of shopping lists, and uh, if they're going to replace Buckley, why wouldn't they go for him? Quite right. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, the Lions absolutely belting the Suns in the Q Clash at 19-10, to Gold Coast seven nine fifty one. The Lions there by 73 points. It wasn't even a contest. No. All I can say about Gold Coast is they continue to be the AFL money evaporator. Uh, they've, they've cost the AFL a fortune, and it was a pathetic effort against Brisbane. Absolutely, it was just a training run for the Lions. Um, and I can see Gold Coast having uh, getting pulled. Getting, they'll definitely get pulled apart in the next two years. Uh, players aren't going to hang around while they play like that. When uh, they're going to get up very good offers from clubs that uh, are playing well. So I can see big raids on Gold Coast in the next two years. Well, then, if you talk about uh, you know uh, Adelaide making plays for certain people, you've got uh, a couple of good South Aussie lads in that team. Um, so, uh, yeah, that might be a few more will be making the same plays too. Hmm. They, uh, you know, the King, you know, they'll be trying to reunite the King Brothers, for example. It's, I, I think the days, I think Gold Coast days are numbered. Uh, every sport that's tried to stick a team in that bloody part of the world fails. Uh, even rugby teams fail at bloody Gold Coast. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I've heard some uh, times that they should close them down and open up a team in Tassie in their place. Yep. Uh, the Tigers getting up in a very tight squeeze, coming from nowhere to beat Giants 13.987 to 12.11.83, a margin there of four points to Richmond. The Giants look like winning it all day, Fiend. All day. Their midfield was outstanding. You know, Tarando on top, uh, Hopper, um, uh, Young Green. The, um, They've got quality midfield. They were on top, and they were, and of course that's the area in which uh, Richmond at the moment have got a lot of injuries. And yep. it just seemed inevitable that it was going to be a GWS uh, win. But about the twelve minute mark of the last quarter, they made the same mistake last week. They went on the defensive about seven minutes to go last week. Yeah, and I yeah. thought they did with about ten to twelve this week. They started kicking the ball around, wasting time, and uh, instead of going on with the things that were putting them in front. Yep. And Martin proved his class, and uh, once again, I, I think GWS blew it. And there, there was that arty pounce right at the end for, went straight to Rioli in, in between two GW, GWS players, and, uh, yeah, the footy gods said, well, stuff you, GWS, you play it around, we'll give it to Rioli. He can kick, he can kick the winning goal. Yep. Um... Not sure. I mean, I've never been sold on Cameron's uh, coaching and this, uh, as you say, going defensive with about half an hour to go in the game seems a little bit silly to me. But you anyway... Do it. No, no, well, you can't you do, do it. it especially against a team that's going to keep coming like Tigers. 
Yep, and they paid the price for it. And there's, yep. two, there's two wins I've thrown down the drain. Yep. Uh, the power, Macca, probably made my weekend, the power, uh, going down to the Bulldogs in uh, a game that probably tells us more about Port than it does about the Bulldogs. Uh the dogs fifteen six ninety six to Port twelve five seventy seven. Imagine they're of nineteen points, and uh, are the power pretenders, Mac? They're pretenders against the top teams because they don't have the same quality midfield. Admittedly, yeah. they do have Butters out at the moment. They have Dersmer yeah. out at the moment, but I still don't think they're quite at the level of the big boys. And uh, the uh, the Bulldogs' midfield is probably as good a midfield as I've ever seen in the last twenty, thirty years. It, it's it's an outstanding midfield, and uh, oh yeah, the game started off the Bulldogs winning. I think it was about the first six or seven uh, clearances, ending up in goals, and uh, that's where the game was won and lost actually. Because I thought Port, uh, as they do, they slogged away and uh, with their home crowd uh, dressed in that other ridiculous jumper, urging them on, and. Yep. Uh, you know, and they, they tried pretty hard. I thought wines came good, but uh, uh, no, uh, they they just I think it's just a little bit little bit below the very very top teams, and I think we're safe. I don't think that they will uh, win the flag. My question to you is, mm. where was Kenny going? Was he going boot scooting after the game or something with that bloody shirt with that <laughs> fancy stuff on his shoulders? <laughs> Look, I think it's pretty hard to oh, work out what's going going on in Ken Hinckley's mind at the best of times, Mac. Um, somebody, said, but, uh, somebody said heritage shirt. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I couldn't look. look um, why was he wearing that ridiculous bloody shirt? I don't bloody know. Um, look, I, I don't think the Port Power <laughs> um, did themselves any favours against the Dogs. They didn't stand up in the midfield. Um, when the doggies have got the, the uh, luxury of having Bontempelli basically play forward, back, and mid um, because of the Just, depth uh, in their midfield, um, I noticed someone in the chat said Bontempelli for the Brownlow. I tell you what, it's going to give it a shake if it keeps going like that. He is playing Rolls Royce footy at the moment, and the dogs looking mm. good. Uh, whether whether the dogs can uh, stand up under finals in t- well they can whether whether the dogs can score enough goals against better defensive units i think is a, probably my only question at the moment but they're a bit like richmond in that they can just pile it on uh, with their run and carry and their hustle and bustle and uh, um you know uh, just just whether they've got enough class up forward to kick a winning score in a in a finals game mac that's probably my only question well, yeah, I, I think they can kick the the, the score. I, when I look at them in a game, I think that their weakness is actually in defence. Theme that they've got uh, when you've got a five foot two midget as your best player in defence, and yep. and he does use the ball very well. Good teams aren't going to allow that to happen very easily. And uh, uh, Alex Keith is their uh, their marking man in defence, and I don't think he's firing as well as when he was playing with us. Um, no, I thought I he think, did. A, they're uh, asking him to do more, Mac. They're asking him to play key key defence. Um, you know, I thought he did a right against Charlie. I mean, Charlie took a couple, um, but I, I didn't think Keith's game was that bad, to be honest. I just don't think he's got enough mates. No, but he's supposed to be a support player, not the player, and that's where well, I think but, that's where their weakness is going to be found out. Yeah, if they have a weakness. 
But they recruited him. They recruited him to be a key key position defender, Mac. And if you notice, he's bulked yeah, up I, a lot, bulked up a lot, and he consist, consistently plays against it. Whether he's good enough, uh, which is what you're essentially saying, uh, that's a good question. Um, but uh, I still think they're one short. Anyway, let's move on. Um, what else do we have here? We had Essendon ten eight sixty eight over the. Dockers 8-13-61 and a fairly ugly game. Seven points to the Bombers. They just keep nipping around. Yeah, not much to add to that really, Fiend. It was, uh, you know, the ball seesawed back and forward and uh, uh, I don't really know what more to say about it. The the fact is that uh, um, Fife and uh, uh, Brayshaw, they were pretty good in the midfield for the Frio and... um, Essendon had a couple of good reds of the ball. As you say, kept rocketing backwards and forwards. Frio missed some very easy shots for a goal, which probably cost them a, a win, or possibly a chance for a win anyhow. But mm. I think, you know, somebody, 90-90 says, rubbish quality game, both sides a long way off, and uh, it's very hard to add very much to that, really. Talk, talking about Gold Coast, we have to have a similar conversation about Fremantle. Because, yes, they had a couple of years where they were contending. But but aside from that, they've been shit for pretty much their entire existence, haven't they? And they're shit at the moment. And you just wonder how they can get themselves into being a legitimate football club. Because at the moment, uh, you know, at least Paul are around the mark. You know, love them or hate them, at least they're around the mark. Fremantle, aside from two seasons, they've been in the competition, you know, a few years longer than Port. They haven't even looked like it. Like, you'd think the AFL is starting to run out of patience with that club. Yeah, but, you know, as as the guys are saying in the chat, at least Rio make money, mate. And uh, the, we as a Gold Coast just bleed us dry. And, uh, oh, I'm not, I'm not uh, talking they, about... I'm not talking about financially. I'm just talking about in terms of... No, but the interesting... Keeping their supporters engaged. Yeah. If they continue to be shit like that, then they won't be making yeah, money forever. I, well, they've, they've, got a, they've got a job to do. They've got to rebuild. Because... Name their coach before. What was his name? Um... Ross Lyon. He was at St. Ross Lyon. Ross Lyon is a club wrecker. When he was at St Kilda, he wrecked St Kilda. He left them in tatters, and they had to totally rebuild. And at Fremantle, uh, he went there because they were going all right, okay, and he gradually wrecked their list as well. He, he actually is a list wrecker, and he left their, that, their club in tatters. And now, Dustin well, Longo, he's got the... Yeah. He's not a he's developer. He's got a rebuilder. Coach. He's got... Uh, Ross Lyon, no, I think he's a destroyer. He, he leads, well, he leads uh, clubs in tatters. Yeah, but you don't... like. It's been shown that you don't employ Ross Lyon to develop a list. You you employ Ross Lyon to try and win a flag. And the jury's out on whether yep. he's capable of doing that. He had he had a pretty good crack at it at St Kilda, um, and he had some sort of a crack at it at the Dockers, uh, both falling short, some would say because of his uh, style of play, his game plan. Um, but you certainly wouldn't. I mean, if I was Collingwood, I wouldn't be employing Ross Lyon uh, because he he's not he's got not got enough to work with. He hasn't got the patience, I don't think. Um, but if you're uh, <clears throat> if you're Fremantle at the moment, you as a, as a supporter, you'd be thinking, what do we have to do to actually start being a legitimate, consistent football team 
like, say, a Sydney Swans, who are always around the mark. They've got to start getting this right, Fremantle, because at the moment they are being absolutely shaded by West Coast, and those supporters won't hang around forever. You'll, you'll go through a generation or two, and those supporters will drop off because the kids go for winning teams. Yeah, well, you know, you raise a good point, and it's up to them to... Um... I think Freo will eventually turn it around. It's going to take them time as well. Um, but look, I agree with you. It, it's on long mile to do it. And I think he was appointed exactly for that reason because um, uh, a senior club, a real, really senior coach, probably wouldn't go there before the because they are mm. a struggling team. But um, no, I, I think he'll eventually get there. It's just a matter of they've drafted pretty well so far since he's been there, and uh, I think they will. I don't know about becoming a premiership team or anything like that, but at least I think they'll become a competitive team again eventually. Well, they need to. All right, speaking of becoming competitive, Melbourne continue on their merry way. 13-16-94, uh, 26-point comfortable with winners over Carlton, 10-8-68. Didn't see this one. Didn't see much of it because of, like, because of our game. I only saw a little bit earlier on in that. And there's a big difference in class between the two teams. And... Um, when, when are Carlton ever going to become a good side for Ever? Ah, uh, well. Oh, not with this list. Not with this list, Macca. There's too many holes. Uh, you talk about club records. Steve Silvani destroyed that list. Um, you know, and they made, did, made some inexplicable decisions um, with regards to their list management. And, you know, uh, can David T coach? Well, you know... Um, has he got the cattle? I'm not sure. But, um, gee whiz, for a club with so much history. But, you know, here's the thing, Mac. You talk about the Victorian clubs and their history and all the rest of it, as Tommy Gunn's just gone bang in the chat. Um, you know, Carlton and Collingwood at the moment, two of the most storied clubs in the in the VFL, don't even look close at the moment. They don't even look near it. And... Uh, mm. You'd think to yourself, as a uh, as a Carlton or a Collingwood fan, you know when is it when is it going to uh, when is it going to come? Because I can't see it for either of those clubs at the moment. No, and I think you you said it right at the beginning. Um, uh, Silvani absolutely destroyed their list. He, he probably one did. of the worst one of the worst list managers of all time, and he's just kept them. Uh, in the same state where they need to rebuild. I mean, fans, and, and I'm not putting this one on Silvani because that may not have been his, but paying 800 for Zach Williams, he's a half-back flanker. They, bought, they pay, yeah. uh, paid him 800 uh, to become a midfielder. He yeah. didn't succeed, so he's playing as a half-back now. So never never going to be a midfielder. Career. Never going to be a midfielder, Mac. And the same goes for... Um, uh, what's the other lad's name? Um... Ahmed Saad, I mean, they paid a fair bit for him as well, and that was a bloody waste of time. I mean, Saad's a good player, but you back know, is, he the, is, is he the bloke that you're bringing in when you're tr- actually trying to get the club back on its tra- on track? I don't know. Never, never. I don't think so. Anyway, let's look at the ladder. Um, we've got the Ds and uh, the Dogs, or the Ds on top, uh, still undefeated. Uh, we've got the Bulldogs in second. Uh, Geelong... Brisbane and Port and Sydney on 24 points along with uh, the Wiggles 
and Richmond on 20 inside the 8. GWS on 16. That loss hurt them in terms of uh, trying to get into the 8. Fremantle also on 16 as well as St Kilda. Uh, We've got Essendon, Carlton and Gold Coast along with us on 12 points. Collingwood on 8 with Hawthorne and North Melbourne finally getting on the scoreboard with 4 points. Um, We're still 2 games ahead of North, so we've got a couple more games to lose, Macca. We'll work on it, mate. We'll work on it. <laughs> Can I just say something about Melbourne? And historically, um, five times in their history, they've won nine to, their, their first nine games. And each time they've ended up winning the Premiership. So if history's ended right? to go by, but, yep, they're the favourite for the flag. Well, there you go. It's uh, interesting. I didn't know that. Well... Uh, yeah, like you were saying the other day, um, the eight's almost set. I mean, GWS are probably, to me, the only team that look like, as I mentioned last week, look like they can sneak in. But um, I can't see anyone else. And uh, Sydney just keep hanging around. And Sydney's percentage now is looking a lot healthier. Um, so... I've, GWS may not get a chance, Macca. No, that might be their problem because I think um, Sydney probably might, might be playing well enough to keep them out. Um, but um, yeah, they, they, I think you're right. They're the only team that look like they could be a possibility to make it, but they keep blowing it themselves. So um, if they miss out, it's, it is their fault. And Sydney keeps squeaking in. So, uh, um, and, and I must say, I've always loved the... Uh, club ethos of Sydney, that they are a team that are always around the place and they always have a hard crack at it. So they're a club I always like. I love their club ethos. Yeah, well, I mean, that that was really uh, born in the Ross uh, in the Paul Roos era um, and he was a, yeah. a, a man's man. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it's good that they've been able to carry that on. It's uh, one thing that I was kind of hoping that we'd be able to carry on with the Phil Walsh era, Um you know, uh, that whole uh, elite standards and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, sadly we weren't able to do so. But um, never mind. Now, we've got a ton of people in chat, Mac. Uh, we've got uh, two, four, six, eight, nine, nine in the nine. live audience there, mate. So uh, if any of you guys want to uh, have your say, um, please stick up your virtual hand. You just click the little button. Oh, we got someone here, and it's our old favourite, Mister Nineteen Ninety Crow. I might even let you have a chat. Nineteen Ninety, come g'day, in mate. and say good day. How are we doing, Macca Phoenix? Well, struggling, mate. mate. What are you going to tell us? I uh, just made a couple of points. Um, I guess basically for tonight's game, and also uh, a couple of key, you know, news news that's going on with the club. So, first one was sort of. I just want to start off say, like, our rebuild currently, it's, it was definitely unintended. Um, it, we sort of had that bad list management that sort of led to us um, going down the course we're currently going, which is the correct one. Um, mm-hmm. But it sort of led to us having a whole heap of use that today, I think, was the first time that I really got excited, particularly at halftime. You look at Schoenberg, Jones, Fogarty, Philthorpe, Shoal and Hamill, they were the uh, most exciting part of today's game. Um, and you could all see that each of them showed more than they had for, for quite a bit this year in particular. Yeah, we had 11, um, players under tw- uh, 11 players under 20 games, mate. 
Yeah, so obviously our list is quite, not, not quite where it needs to be in terms of games played, and that's, that's where we're at. But uh, you, can't just pick, um, you can't just pick a group and expect them to, to have the, the quality um, and to, to work out you need to pick the right guys. So I'm pretty glad that we've got the guys that we've got um, going forward. So even if we're you know, losing between five and ten goals, I can still get quite excited each week watching these guys. Who in particular do you like out of the young ones that we've got there that you can see going on to be perhaps oh, 100, 100 to 200 players? <laughs> I was going Phil to say, Thorpe. apart from Phil Thorpe. <laughs> He's going to play 300 games to kick six, 700 goals. <laughs> Jesus, um, let's hope. Blinking. Um, um, Schoenberg. I know Phoenix is quite quite big on Schoenberg. I, um, I think once I said it on Big Foot 40. Once he, gets, um, once he gets to, you know, 50, 70 games, has a big tank, adds a bit of... Uh, muscle and loses the puppy, puppy fat that he's got. Um, he's going to be an absolute star. He's, he's, he's building just, nicely. He's just got that innate ability that you can't teach. It's um, that intensity at the contest. It's the the quick thinking. It's the the good skills. Um, just got a good all all round game that you can. Well, obviously, we'll need to add players around him, but um, yeah, he, he's going to be a good player for sure. Hundred percent. Nineteen ninety. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> Just um, the other thing was um, with the structure we're currently going with um, the second KB, um, second key defender. I'm not quite sure what we're doing. Whether it's incompetence, arrogance, or are we actually tanking? Well, don't steal my thunder on this one. Think? Don't steal my thunder on this one. Nineteen ninety. <laughs> are we buying <laughs> on Jason Horn? <laughs> <laughs> we will well, be I'll, having I'll, a big crack about selection shortly. I'll, I'll skip that one. Next next <laughs> one is um, <laughs> Riley O'Brien. Uh, I know Mac has sort of mentioned that he's a bit of a, bit of a big problem. Um, oh, I don't have an issue geez. with playing him at the moment because, you know, we're not contending and it's all about getting the games in the, into the kids. But we our list really needs a, an understudy to, to really, not just to push Rob to um, play to his level and have a bit of... Um, people behind pushing him, but in terms of talent, we need someone who we think is going to be able to play against the best when we finally do get back into finals contention. I, I just, I know Rob was our best in Ferris last year, but I, I just, I, re- I really think that was down to the quality of our list last year and overall performance and not necessarily talent. And I think he's been found out a little bit this year. I think, Opposition coaches are putting a bit more time into him, particularly yeah. Rackman. Um, and his main key strength is obviously um, second second efforts, repeat efforts. When the ball hits the ground, he becomes an extra midfielder, similar to, to Brody Grundy, I suppose, um, but nowhere near the the talent. So they take away that second effort, and you really you're really left with a player that doesn't really have a lot. To be honest, he got I killed really the by Nick Nat. He got killed on the deck by Nick Nat uh, today. Yeah, Nick Nat. And Nick Nat's Nick not, Nat taught him not, a le- Nick lesson. Nick Nat's not normally a ground ground floor no. player. He's a he's a ruck. Yep. Uh, very good um, points. Nineteen ninety. One more. Sorry, just last one. No, um, go for it. Sorry, last one. I just during the week um, there was a big push for priority picks. Yeah. Um, particularly for North Melbourne. Um, and I just I'd like to see the club come out and sort of. Maybe put a push push back a bit on the AFL um, because yep. you know number one 
why 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 didn't we get one last year? Um, we were, probably, yeah. we were there was big talk in the media that we were the worst side in thirty years and lost thirteen games straight. Um, and it took eight rounds for North Melbourne to get called for one. Um, I just yeah, would really like to see some someone from within the club come out and question um, that narrative before it gets too far. Hundred percent. Nineteen ninety. Everyone in the chat can drink up. Uh, Macca, you wouldn't have heard, but on Tuesday night, Macca, I uh, I apologise for hundred uh, percent because I say it quite regularly. <laughs> um, look, I, um, I don't don't disagree with you at all. Yes, um, mate. Thanks, nineteen ninety. If anyone else wants to uh, have a chat uh, while we're going through the show, you don't have to wait for a pause. Just stick your hand up, and uh, you'll be more than welcome to contribute to uh, this show as you are to all our Crowcast shows, Macca. Let's move on, shall we, um, to our game. Uh, it's a nice little segue from um, PJ there, so uh, let's move on. And it was Adelaide 11-10-76 going down in the end by 30 points to the West Coast. Eagles 16-10-106, 30 points there. Initial thoughts, Macca, just initial thoughts, broad brush, broad strokes. Um, in broad terms, very broad terms, I thought our effort was very good. At It seemed to flag towards the end of quarters just a little bit. Um, I thought that we were let down in our usage of the ball at times and some of the times, and well, a lot of the times, it was our very experienced players who did that. And uh, I think, you know, we'd better usage of the ball, uh, and uh, uh, I think we could have got very, very close indeed, Fane. I thought our effort was good enough. It just was our usage of the ball mainly. Agreed, agreed. Uh, my initial thoughts were that um, you couldn't ask more of the 22 players that played that went on the deck. I thought they were all, um, without exception, actually, I thought they all tried, uh, even... Guys like Shane McAdam, whose effort has been a little bit questionable over the last couple of weeks, uh, tried very hard defensively, um, and uh, I and you know I don't want to uh, push forward too quickly, but I just I think we lost it at the table. I think we lost it on Thursday night or when the <laughs> selection was finalised, Mac. Um, I have to. I, I think it was a structural issue that cost us the game, or cost us a, a reasonable chance of winning the game. Um, and again, you, I guess you've got to think to yourself: All right, well, what's the coaching panel trying to achieve at the moment? Uh, are wins the priority, or are we using this season to run various setups and focus on various things? PJ Crows in the game day chat um, put forward some. Uh, Hypothesis about you know maybe uh, really focusing on team defence uh, this week, so it's hard to know. I mean, if if you're talking about selection to win a game, they cocked it up, um, but maybe that's just not their focus at the moment. Yeah, we were definitely a sh- we're tall short in the back lines, and um, I I just thought that uh, we well the matchups we had um, against their key players. Uh, we're very poor, I thought, and then again, I mean, when we go forward, one thing you would not do is bomb the ball forward, and we and we did quite a bit of that as well because they, you know, they they have some aerial freaks in their back lines. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was very weird 
um, the way we set up. It was just very weird, Mac. Uh, like, it didn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Um, and so you can only think to yourself, well, you know, there's there's an ulterior motive here. There's there's another reason because it the way we set up certainly wasn't to win the match. You, you couldn't. No one could argue that. Well, I'm in the same camp as you, hundred percent. That I didn't. I just didn't like this. Oh, okay. I've got a glass of water. I will in a minute. Um, <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, uh, uh, I, I didn't like the selection, and um, I, I couldn't see us winning with the with the way that we matched up against them. No, no, it was but never going to happen. The boys tried their guts out. There's no doubt. Oh, no doubt about it. No doubt about it, Macca. Another thing I'd like to say in fairness to the boys, and not blaming the umpires totally, but, I mean, like, the goal they got at the end of the third quarter, massive push in the back, one of the biggest I've ever seen. And it's allowed to play on, they get a goal. At times, we didn't appear to have a neck or a back. And um, that's what I I'm saying, you know, home crowd. Yeah, but I, I, didn't, I didn't actually think we got too bad a run from the umpires, Mac, to be honest with you. I thought they were right. No, no, not. I thought not they were inconsistent, but, but I don't. Here and there, that's all. Yeah, I, I think they were inconsistent, uh, but I think the umpiring in general has been inconsistent uh, for the majority of the season and for for the majority of my bloody life, to be honest with you. So uh, I'm probably asking a bit much for consistency at this uh, ripe old age. Oh <laughs> uh, shit! Well, anyway. Let's have a look at selection, Mac, because, uh, as I said, I felt like that's where the game was lost. Whoops, what am I doing here? There we go. Um, I couldn't work it out. Couldn't work it out. Uh, we always looked like we were too short in defence. Um, for the life of me, I don't know why we didn't pick uh, Murray um, to come in and take care of Jack Darling. Um, Peter J, who joins us on Tuesday night, made a point in the chat, and I don't disagree with him. Are, are we at the moment? Are we doing a disservice to Tom Duday's career? Uh, I just—it seems like we're robbing Peter and paying Paul double at the moment with Tommy Duday because we're asking him to play, uh, you know, uh, outsized. So not only is he ineffective in that defensive role, but we're losing all his creativity in his third man up work. Um, it just does not make any sense to me um, that particular selection philosophy at the moment. Yeah, and I think you're quite right about the Duday thing. He's been uh, Duday's a good, very good footballer, but he's been asked to do jobs in the last couple of games that um, are really beyond him in the sense of yep. uh, giving away inches. Where he his role is to be playing on a, a guy roughly his own side, maybe a slightly smaller perhaps, and then just float across and take the ball, mark the ball. But um, he's not playing, you know, he's, he's he's not being asked to play that role. He's being asked to play the wrong role, and it's not yep. good for his career. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, Death is coming in the chat, uh, poses a question. How many A-graders do you think we currently have on our list in, uh, in our next premiership? Um his thoughts are that they're three or four midfielders or with three or four midfielders away still, as well as a key forward. I don't think... Well, first of all, the salary cap makes it very difficult to have a complete list of A-graders. Um, 
you know, if you if you look back at uh, our last premiership winning side, and I know it was you know years ago, different regime and all the rest of it. But, you know, you'd never call Shane Allen an A-grader. You'd never call James Tyson an A-grader. You probably wouldn't even call Brett James an A-grader. We, You know, uh, Chad Rintoul, you know, those sort of blokes. You need role players. And what Blighty did very well were was to be able to put blokes in positions to get the best out of them. Now, Matthew Nix goes on about players showing their weapons. And this is the issue that I have with the Day treatment at the moment in that we're not actually allowing him to show us his weapons. Now, whether that's by design, whether there's a bigger picture that we're not privy to or can't see from the outside, I'm not sure. But in terms of Tom's own performance, um, we're not enabling him to show us his weapons. Um, look, I think we're clearly a, we're clearly a couple of midfielders away. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um you know, uh, A, because Sloney hasn't got much time left and I thought he got given a bit of a bath today by, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, the extra long player. can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, Sloney got, uh, got uh, smashed until Tim, the last Tim quarter. Kelly. He got a couple, yeah, he yep. got a couple of touches in the last quarter, but, uh, yeah, no, pretty ordinary from yep. Sloney. Yep. Um, you know, we've got a couple of ball carriers that I wouldn't class as A-graders. Seedsman is far too inconsistent. He had a shocker today, I thought. Um, He's you know, using the ball was a disgrace. A disgrace today. Yeah, I've been, I've been telling you for a while. There's good, good seed and bad seed, and we saw a lot of bad seed today. Um, yep. You know, uh, Ruck could be a bit of a concern. Um, you know, with uh, Jake Kelly, you wouldn't, you wouldn't call an A-grader, and I thought he was very, very one-dimensional today. So, a page of motion to answer your question. I, I think we're probably two really A-grade midfielders away, a solid centre-half forward away. Um, but I don't think the list is as far away as what many people think. And I think what we're seeing at the moment is just lack of games, lack of experience. So these kids are, you know... 20 games into AFL careers and in some cases we're asking them to do a lot. I mean, how many times have we see Lockie Scholl on bloody Jack Darling today, for God's sake, you know. The other selection that I didn't like uh, was the retention of David McKay because once again, Mac, we, we wanted to bring Chase Jones in to try and free up Brody Smith a little bit, I would imagine. But what it meant is that instead of dropping DMAC, which would have been the obvious, we actually retained DMAC and pushed Paul Seedsman out of position. Um, Paul Seedsman... Yeah, that was bad, I think what, That was bad. Paul Seedsman's racked up more mileage in the last month than, you know, a, a trip around Australia. He's averaging, you know, 800 metres gained or whatever. And we push him a little bit further forward and we lose all that drive in transition. Now, you know, we can, we can lament the um, the failings of seed as much as we like, but we lost a lot of drive off, off half-back and our transition as a consequence at times was very laboured um, because Seisman was playing further in front of the ball. I just, why did we play David McKay? The obvious would have been a straight in and out Chase Jones, David McKay, and probably, we probably could have afforded um, to not have McPherson on the ground and uh, as a as a um, 
as a um, medical sub. I don't know why McPherson played as a medical sub. He's been out of form for a month. I mean, he didn't get any time on the ground, but that's not the point. And why didn't we have a second key, Murray, or why didn't we debut Josh Worrell? So just a few really odd calls, in my opinion, Mac, that seem to point to a bigger picture that we can't see. Well, you're suggesting that perhaps winning is not necessarily the priority at the moment. Development of players is. Well, I mean, we touched on it a few weeks ago, and um, you know, I, I think the committee has got fifty percent of an eye on squad management and uh, list development. But I don't. I've just got to say, I mean, David McKay's been a stalwart of the club, and occasionally he does good things and all the rest of it. But he's not bloody offering us anything. He doesn't offer us experience. He doesn't offer us toughness over the ball. He turned the, he's turned the ball over a lot over the last couple of weeks. He was completely ineffective today. And I just don't see the value in having him in the team. I just don't. There's just no value in having him in the team. Well, the biggest problem really was the fact that uh, Seisman's been close to our best player for the last two weeks and, they, and turned him into a pretty useless player. By exactly moving him out right. of the position, yeah, and, and exactly that, that right, I think mate. is really that is the main problem with the whole stru- whole structure. Now, if you think about that, they're going to leave Siege where he's succeeding, which they should have. Then they've got to work out if we bring Chase Jones in. Well, you are right. Well, obviously you'd have to say it's D Mac flank. So um, it, it is a pretty simple thing: make D Mac the sub if you like. Um, so in case somebody gets hurt, he gets he comes on again. But uh, I think that was a poor selection, and uh, the lack of Murray down back was another very poor selection. Yeah. So my personal view is that we lost it at selection, Matt. It was lost at selection. Um, I don't feel like uh, we gained anything. And the problem that I've got with that, Mac, is that you're asking for players for effort during the game and uh, happy for anyone in the chat uh, to stick their hand up to come on and have their opinion on this. But you ask for players' effort during the match. And if the players, surely as a player, I know if <coughs> I was a player, I would have thought, well, it doesn't. I can run my guts out today. We're not going to win because all they've got to do is put it up in the air up forward and uh, we're outgunned. And that's essentially what it boiled down to. I think I cost five... I think I, counted five goals that were as a direct result of a mismatch caused by selection you know Jack Darling for example I mean three of his five goals were just complete mismatches Um, so you know selection definitely cost us an opportunity to win the game in my opinion I think even Ken Higley would have picked that there Pete well, you know, I don't like to compare myself to Ken because he's a bit of a guru, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, never mind. No, no, um, no, it was very obvious. It really stuck out like dog's balls. It did. It certainly did, mate. It certainly did. Let's have a look at some of the head-to-heads, shall we? Uh, disposals 389 to 372 in West Coast favour. Uh, 241 kicks to 201. How well did they transition the ball? It seemed to me, Mac, that what they were doing was, or what we were doing, was essentially just getting behind the ball, and more or less allow. It was probably the. It was a real breakdown in structure, in my opinion, because 
in an effort to cover the mismatches, we just got behind the ball and we allowed them to chip, chip, chip their way up the ground, which they did very well by foot. Um, and uh, and then that just put a lot of pressure on us as they went into forward 50. I mean, they had 241 kicks, 148 handballs. We had 201 kicks and 171 handballs. Clearly, we were trying to outrun them and, and uh, exploit their, their height up forward and uh, their know perhaps bloody slowness but uh, it didn't work out that way did it no i i, I thought at times when we when we there we actually had periods where we got on top and we seemed to then have players in the right spot but um and we'd make an error and all of a sudden we were out of structure and we we really had trouble restructuring once if we once we lost possession of the ball and yep. that's where that and this is where We've got 11 or 12 players that run under 20 games. They've got a very hard and experienced side out there, and they just, when we made those errors, they really exploited it because they know where to run to once once the ball's turned over, and uh, that's when we got caught out badly. Yeah. Now, interestingly, we had more inside 50s than they did, 56 to 48, um, and again, it just shows how ineffective we were in terms of moving the ball forward. Um, the structure was all wrong. Um and uh, you know, it, despite having more of the ball inside fifty, we only went in at forty-one percent efficiency. Twenty-three shots from fifty-six inside fifties. Uh, West Coast twenty-seven shots from forty-eight inside fifties. Disposal efficiency was pretty similar. Free kicks pretty much similar. Uh, in the stoppages, Mac, uh, we had um, we saw Riley O'Brien getting destroyed there. Forty-one hitouts to twenty. Uh, clearances overall 32 to 30 center clearances were even that was uh, pretty skewed in the first quarter but we did tidy that up um, after quarter time um, which was good uh, center clearance uh, sorry stoppage clearances 19 to 17 so around the ground around the ball uh, in the cold face I thought we did quite well um, and that shows in contested stats as well contested possessions we won that 143 to 132 um, uncontested though 256 to 229 just shows that we had trouble getting the ball back once uh, West Coast had it in their possession we turned it over a bit too much too 70 to 75 in their favour looking at where the game was played um, you know, uh, very much in our back half Mac and on the wing uh, not a lot of possessions up forward uh, in fact let's have a look at our pos- we only had for the game 55 oh, I hate it when it does that 55 possessions in our forward 50 for the match Mac um, it's not a lot it's, it's not a lot is it um, you know first quarter we had 10 second quarter we had 20 um, which is when I, I thought we that was our best quarter our second quarter third quarter 14 and last quarter 11 so you know um we're, we're not getting enough value for 50s um, at the moment, inside 50s. No, but I, I think we do have to be a little bit realistic and recognise the fact that um, we are a side that's uh, rebuilding and with so many young, young players in there. As I said, I thought at the start of each quarter, I thought we, we exerted pressure and good pressure and... Uh, we're very competitive and, and we got caught out at the end of each quarter. It'd be interesting to see 
how many goals uh, West Coast got, say, in the last third of each quarter, for example. Yeah. Mac, that's all well and good to say, yes, we're inexperienced, all the rest of it. But what we're here to do is analyse the game that was in front of us. And what we're lacking at the moment is effective forward 50 entries. Now, unfo- it's, it's, it's everyone on the chat would be weeping because obviously being a late Sunday game, I haven't had time to do my usual forward 50 analysis, uh, Mac, together with stunning graphics. However... They're crying, they're crying. Oh, look, it's just... I've had so many requests, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But, but even just from memory... You know, there there were times where we would clear the ball out of the centre, and there would be an uncontested Eagles mark, and that mark would be taken exactly where Frampton should have been. Now I don't know because we don't get down the ground views on on the footy coverage very often um, during general play, but I don't understand why we didn't have someone at forty metres out at centre bounces like that's just where the centre half forward bloody is isn't it and for them to play yeah. to take to take uncontested marks after we've um, cleared the ball out of the middle I, I just don't understand how that happens well most of our clearances too are uh, basically clearances under pressure too Lady and uh, uh, Keys Ben Keys they, they were probably the most they probably cleared the majority of, of our balls out of centre and most of them were under pressure, so they're not really haven't got an opportunity to, like, not like Kelly streaming down the centre of the ground and just picking out a, somebody to put it on their chest. So you're quite right. Um, knowing that the ball's going to come in a bit like that, then we should have people where the ball's likely to go. Yeah, well, that's, that, that stuck out to me anyway. Speaking of marks, let's have a look. Uh, we got absolutely destroyed. Destroyed, Mac. 127-82, uh, obviously because they were kicking the ball more. 18 marks to 13 inside 50. Contested marks 18 to 16, not so bad. So that stat is clearly just indicative of the fact that the West Coast used the ball by foot predominantly. Um, in terms of contested situations, we weren't too bad. There's a little bit of a disparity in terms of marks inside 50, but that was enough to uh, give Jack Darling five goals, <laughs> basically. Um, so, you know... Look, I think, um, you know, effort-wise it was there. I mean, you have a look at those defensive stats. Tackles, uh, 49 to 47, so we're pretty round the mark. Tackles inside, 58 to 3. Now, I will say this, Mac, that tackle inside 50 number probably backs up my own personal thought that West Coast were cruising a little bit. Just cruise, just playing that millionaire footy a little bit that sometimes the Crows have of old are prone to play when they're playing a game that they know they're going to win? Um, yeah, they, they did a little bit of leery stuff, but most of the time uh, they, well, yes, they were guilty of it at times. Isn't it? That's true. But uh, when they put their noses down and got serious, they do it pretty well. Yeah, um, just there. Uh, I, I just thought at times they looked like they were just cruising along. Um, so, you know, uh, 40 to 51 percenters there. Um, shows that we're around the mark. So, look, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible by any means at all. Uh, Not terrible at all. Uh, We had a lot of the play. Uh, There was a lot of good stuff. There was some fantastic efforts uh, the boys put in. 
uh, and I think that shows in the scoreboard. I think we um, we lost structure a bit trying to cover um, the holes in defence. Uh, our transition was scrappy, and as a consequence, our after particularly after half time, our forward fifty entries dropped off in terms of their effectiveness. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Just one point, though. Um, when you look at the total result, and I agree with you with what you just said, a 30-point loss, in, even when we were a good side and get good players and we go across over, across over to Perth, you would not be surprised to have a 30-point loss. We've gone over there with this patchwork quilt of a side with, you know, with all these young boys in there and lost by 30 points. So I think we have to walk away and say that, uh, yeah, we didn't win, but it was a bloody good effort. Well, and I think, you know, I need to be clear about my thoughts on that because I don't disagree with you at all there, Mac. Um, you know, what I'm doing is looking at as the at the game as it was presented to us and looking at, um, you know, the areas that we fell down. Um, you know, in, in, the, in the context of where we sit to, uh, compared to where West Coast sit, uh, absolutely great effort lots of positive signs etc etc but we can only present the game that was put in front of us Mac and uh, those were the things that I saw um, that uh, I've, I felt like we need to work on yeah that's fair that's fair enough too um, look let's have a look at some individuals and of course anyone who's on in the um, in the uh, live audio or sorry live studio audience at the moment if you want to have your say and have an opinion as 1990 did earlier on please go ahead and stick your hand up i know some of you have alternative views and it would be great to hear them because uh, <clears throat> we're not always right mac i know it's hard to believe oh. Oh, no i'm not, not buying always it, right I'm not... no i'm not buying that well you know i've i've been yeah. told I've been told by certain people that we're not always right. All right. Sometimes we're not. My my two (laughs) ex-wives. Oh, you got got two ex-wives? I've only got got one. I'm a bloody optimist, mate. Where have I I failed? Uh, Anyway, that's probably more personal information than I should have divulged. Right, um, let's have a look at some individual stats, shall we? Uh, we had... Uh, uh, well, who do you think was your best, Mac? Oh, it stuck out like dog balls again. Lady, uh, easily. Right. You really think so? Oh, I didn't have a... Yeah, didn't have a contender for a second. Didn't have a contender for a second? No, I mean, not nobody contending with him for the number one spot. There, obviously, somebody was second, but um, but, I, but I thought Led was so far ahead of the rest. Uh, I thought Smith was probably next. He, I thought he played a pretty good game. Um, ben Keys, I thought he played he played a pretty good game. Mm. And I don't, I, I don't know, yeah. And I, yeah, and oh, I thought there was a couple others played useful games. Right, right, right. <laughs> no, what, what do you think? I mean, oh no! Look, uh, I'm just being a bit silly. I thought Led was good. Um, I thought um, Sloan was average. Um, Ordinary. Yeah, 
I thought Fogarty showed promise in the first half but faded. Looked like he might have been injured. I thought Geordie Butts tried really hard on um, Kennedy. Um, I but you thought, can't stop that delivery. No, well, you can't. You can't. Um, but I thought uh, Jordan Butts is going to be a 250-game defensive stalwart for us. Uh, there's no doubt about it. So I thought he was pretty good. Let's have a look at look at some. Sorry, let's have a look at some of these individuals. Let's have a look at Lady first of all. 36 disposals, 16 kicks, 20 handles, 6 marks, 5 tackles and a goal. That's that's a fair game, isn't it? That's it. You know, that's his first goal uh, for this year, anyhow. Lady? Is, is yeah, it was a really good game. Mm. Oh, there you go. Yeah, first goal of the year. Yeah. There you go. Um... I don't know what I'm doing at the moment, Mac. I'm trying to do something here, and it's just not bloody working. Never mind. Um, yeah, no, look, I thought he was really good, to be honest with you. I, he was in and under. Um, he got a lot of the ball. Uh, used it okay. Probably the best he's used it for a while. Um, you know, we're always going to have our bits to say about Rory. Um but um, I felt he was pretty good. Uh, here we go. That's what oh, I'm trying to bloody do. Talk about Lady now. He's so courageous. I mean, he just he, he goes where Angel's feet are tread. He gets smashed and he gets hit, but he get but he still gets the ball and he gets it out. Yeah. Um, look, he was consistent throughout the game. Um, you know, he um, uh, his disposals. Uh, you know, he had what's that about eight in the first? Well, we can tell here. He'll tell us here. Uh, let's have a look. He had, um, yeah, eight disposals in the first, uh, 11 disposals in the second, six and five, uh, nine in the third, and eight in the last. So, I mean, if you have a look at the graph on the right and then have a look at the um, Telstra tracker, you can see that... Uh, let me just try and get that happening. You can see that he did a fair amount of work in the back half, Mac, Um in that first quarter, so he was working really hard to get back. Had three of his uh, eight possessions in the back half. In the second quarter, it was more in the middle, so we're getting more value out of what he was doing in the middle. Um, you know, third quarter, you know, again all in the middle of the ground. So there was there was a particular focus after quarter time, I think, to to get Lady to actually um, get more value for his disposals. Um, and uh, in the last quarter, again, predominantly in the middle of the ground. So a pretty good effort from Rory. He's having a nice little patch of form, in my opinion. Yeah, no, he, he's, he's, in, he's in top form. And, he, and I, he's 100%. It just gives everything he's got. Yeah, in terms of his clearances, uh, let's have a look here, see if I can find them on the graph. So uh, really um, stepped it up in terms of his clearance work. Let me just find his numbers here, clearances. So he had 10 clearances for the game, uh, six centre clearances, four stoppage clearances. And you can see in the graph there his clearance work. Uh, if I can just find, uh, let me have a look, centre clearances and stoppage clearances. Yeah, so you can see that, you know, he did a fair bit of work in that second and third quarter, Mac. 
uh, in writing what was a fair disparity in clearances in the first quarter. He worked really hard to get that back on track after quarter time. Yeah, well, Kelly was doing the damage there early in the piece and at various stages during the game as well. But uh, I think Kelly was at his best in the first quarter. Yep, very, very true. Um, In terms of his uh, ball use, he had 17 contested possessions and 20 uncontested possessions, five turnovers, um, but four intercepts as well. So... You know, that's not a bad... Let's see where he got those as well. Uh, let's have a look. Just to possessions. So, yeah, he had a... You can see with the graph, Mac, that he had a real purple patch from about midway through the second quarter uh, all the way through until the end of the third quarter. He was very, very effective. Tailed off a little bit in the last quarter in terms of uh, his input, but... That period, halfway through the second to the end of the third, probably um, probably uh, mirrors where I felt we were most in the game. Well, you know, it's incredible. You know, our best player. I mean, you have to do all these first round picks that don't really fire on that. But you know, Lead was a rookie player. Yes, he was, Mac. I don't know whether anyone's ever said that before. <laughs> now Brent Brent you well, had your hand up long. earlier so if you want to have something to say uh, stick your hand up mate and I'll chuck you in right so let's have a look at someone else let's have a look at Mr Keys. now he ended up with 32 touches um, Mr Keys, but for a while there I thought no, he was he's out of fine. quiet Is that it? So he had 32 touches, 16 kicks, 16 handballs, 5 marks, 3 tackles. Uh, Again, uh, probably more forward of the ball than what we're used to from from Keys. Uh, 53% forward of centre. But uh, didn't... Oh, that a couple of times. He just doesn't use it, does he, Mac, sometimes? Well, he's only got a left foot. And even his left foot is probably about fifty-fifty, um, and he, his right foot if he has to kick out that well, that, that just that's an anywhere job. And uh, it would be nice if he could develop his kicking. His mm. ability to get the ball is just you know indisputable. And I think the ninety-nine crows is saying exactly what I'm about to say that you know, you'll never question how hard he'll go at the ball. It's just he has to improve his disposal because um, he does turn it over a lot. It's not so much that he turns it over. It's just that he doesn't get value for his possessions, I don't reckon, Mac. That's, I think, where well, he's go going to work one of our a little team bit harder. Like that. That's right. It'll go to a dispute or it'll go to a 50-50 or it'll, you know, just get go nowhere. Um, but if you have a look at his um, clearance work there uh, on the graph, again, very see, and that reflects what I was saying because it, in the first quarter, if we go down here to his clearances, and he had, uh, well, that's not bloody right. According to the AFL, he only had three clearances, one centre and two stoppage. But according to me, 
He had six clearances, Maka. So yep. that's I'm going to trust myself against bloody the AFL site because the AFL site's been bloody wrong quite a bit. Um, he had two centre clearances, according to me, and uh, one, two, three, four stoppage clearances. But again, all of his work, all of his work after after quarter time, he had no clearances whatsoever in the first quarter and a bit um, and then uh, started to work a little bit harder around stoppage but probably I think was a bit outgunned uh, for the day in terms of his stoppage work and given his lack of effectiveness with ball in hand Macca, we do need him to be farming that ball out don't we so if he's not getting his hands on the agate at the cold face that's probably what led me to think that his game despite his disposal count was probably not as great as uh, what it has been previously? Well, he, he did get um, around the mid, uh, say like in the, between the wing and half forward, he was getting the ball quite a bit there, but again, not using it particularly well and sort of just to a, either to a contest or to the opposition. And that, that is, that's his one weakness, but I, I love his effort every week. Well, that's what I was saying. His, what we need from him is clearance work. That's what he's in the team for, Mac. Yep. And so if we're only getting... Uh, what is this bloody contested possession stacks? If we're only getting, you know, three or four clearances out of him, um, you know... Oh, I know why this is wrong, because I've got it on the bloody... Got it on the fourth quarter. We'll go back. There we go. That's better. Um, yeah, so 11 contested possessions, 21 uncontested possessions, so far more outside than what we're used to, and that reflects what you were saying, Mac, that his, um, he did get a little bit of the ball um, across wing and uh, sort of half forward. Uh, you can see there on the graph to the right that the orange line being uncontested possessions, uh, far more work. He didn't have a contested possession in the first quarter, Mac. Um, so... Um, we were playing him a little bit more on the outside. If he's going to play on the outside, and that probably reflects the limitations in our midfield at the moment um, because we obviously had uh, O'Connor playing inside. We had Sloan arguably running with Kelly, so that was almost an inside role. You know, who did we really have running on the outside in the midfield? It was and that's our, That is our major weakness. We just don't have that player. We really don't. We don't have that outside jet. Um, but look, you know, we still got an honest effort from Ben. Um, didn't turn it over according to the stats. Uh, took five uncontested marks, so he was getting on the end of it. And you can see there those pressure acts, that's very low, 17 for him. And those metres gained, 525 is quite high from him. Uh, so he, Ben Keyes had a different role to play today. It was obvious from the stats and also just from looking at the game. Oh, look who we've got here, Macca. Look who we've got here. We've got the king of YouTube. Scorpus, how are you going, mate? Uh, hello, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, mate. How are you going? I'm not sure how this stage thing is supposed to work. I think I just joined myself. Is that? Did you? I don't think that's how it's yeah. supposed to work. No, no. I, you know how you joined yourself is because you're an esteemed Crowcast member and you've got bloody podcasters' rights and podcasters ah. can just jump straight on. Whereas all the other plebs that you see in the in the in the uh, channel there, they've got to be invited. You see, 
Uh, see, I wanted to be invited because I thought that might be a bit of fun, but it turns out I've just added myself. So, whoops. Anyway, I haven't actually been listening to I've just chucked him out <laughs> because how dare he? And now I'm going to invite him back in, which is what he wanted. Come in, Tim. Look who it is. It's Scorpus. <laughs> oh, awesome. Nice. Scorpus. Uh, hey, how's it going? You, you need to you need um, to do this if you ever need me to teach you how to do YouTube, mate. For your for your little YouTube channel with Discord stage live studio shit, just hit me up. It is honestly something I've never used before, so I will have to take you up on that lesson. But as I said, I haven't actually been <laughs> listening to the cast up until now. I saw you guys were live. Wow. I'm not often super free, so I usually wow. listen on the replay. But um, yeah, got to have a have a bit of fun. Very good. And what are you uh, going to tell us, Douglas? What do you want me to say? Um, did did you did <laughs> you miss my you miss my rant on selection? So you can have your crack on selection if you like. No, no, I, I see some people have already said you've probably said most of this stuff on uh, on selection, so I'm not going to rehash the super obvious stuff <laughs> about defenders and, and all that. PJ Crows wants to know what I think of McKay. It's like, mm, I don't know. I've probably said enough about that over the years. <laughs> um, I was pretty positive on the game overall, I think. Um, I mean, obviously we lost. Obviously there's issues at selection, but I think some players showed some stuff. Chase Jones, I was really... I'd gone off him big time after seeing him sputtered up at even at the SNFL <laughs> level, but I think he's the big takeaway. You know, he maybe didn't use the ball as well as he probably could, but overall I was pretty impressed with him. He certainly looked like he could play this time, whereas it, um, and the uh, move back in the SNFL, back into the back lines, it's, to be, see the ball coming at him has obviously done him uh, the world of good. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, why don't we take the why don't we take the opportunity just to look at Chase while you're here, uh, Scorpus. Uh, so he had 19 touches, 12 and 7, uh, took a mark. Uh, as you can see there from his heat map, um, a lot of the ball in the back half, as you'd expect, because he's playing centre-half back. Um, a lot of uncontested possessions after half-time. Um, so he was really... Uh, and it was noticeable to me that he was actually starting to get involved in transition uh, which was obviously what we want from Chase. We want to use his pace um, and his straight line um, speed. Um, and he started to utilise that a little bit more um, as the game wore on. So I, th- I, I was really positive as well with his game. Uh, Scorpus, I thought uh, it was a real good sign and a sign that I think the club got it right in terms of identifying where he might be of most use of the team. I think he's one of those players where it, it makes sense to compromise the structure in some ways just to see what these players have got. Obviously, we kept DMAC in the team, and ideally, <laughs> if you were structuring the team to, you know, for example, have defenders, then maybe you would, you know, have Jones in. McKay wouldn't be in the side. You'd pick a defender. Mm. But mm. if you cho- if you're choosing to play McKay and you want to see what Jones has got, then these are the sort of things I think has to be done in a rebuild. Um, you know, we've seen previously similar things happen up forward when we've tried playing, you know, Himmelberg, Tex, Philthorpe and Fogarty all in the same team. Probably not yeah. the best situation, but if you want to see what these players have got, then at times that's sort of the reality. So I'd love to see potentially something like Worrell come in, find a way to do something similar with him. But um, yeah. unfortunately, we haven't managed to do that yet. 
Uh, and again, looking at Chase Jones's meters gain number, you can see that um, his contribution, he, he gained us 200 metres in that period uh, from halfway through the second quarter until sort of midway through the third. And that coincided with us really looking as if we were in the game at that point and also the work from Laird and Keyes as well. So you could see that the stats really point to our transition working best through that middle portion of the game. Um, and I've got to say, just watching the watching the the uh, coverage, it just looked like we got a bit gassed after a while because there was a lot of defensive running going on with our midfielders. Yeah, I agree. I'll, I'll leave you to dictate how this is going to run because I've just jumped in. I don't know what you've been talking about, so get going with your regular cast. I know you've got a, a structure to keep to, so don't let me interrupt too much. Oh. It's, mu- it's music to my All ears. Right, mate. Uh, Macca, Macca, were you listening? Like, Scorpus was talking about structure and format. <laughs> well, uh, yes, I was thing. No, actually, yeah, it's fine, uh, Scorpus. Uh, we're running three players at the moment, so uh, it was a good opportunity to segue into Chase. Um, I also want to talk quickly about Seeds because Seeds has been a bit of a bugbear of mine Um uh, this season because he does get a lot of the ball 22 disposals again so not as much output 10 and 12 um, you can see from his tracker there everything pretty much on the wing um, but as we pointed out uh, with Mr Seedsman didn't use it all that well Macca no no it's a, for some very disappointing uh, I think it was the last quarter there was two or three really really bad uh, yeah, somebody's put up their brain fart. He changed the momentum in the second quarter with a brain fart. I thought he did the same in the last quarter as well. So, um, look, uh, see, so does waste a lot of his disposal, but I tell you what, when he's on and uh, uh, he can, he, can, he gains an enormous amount of ground, and if, and uh, if he's close enough, he can kick a nice goal. And with his ability, he should be able to put it to advantage 99% of the time unless he's under real pressure because he has got a very good kick on him. So, um, yeah, I, he, I thought he, he was very poor in that area today at times and uh, and it was costly at two at times. So uh, I, I, I didn't rate his game today. Well, Tim was talking earlier about shuffling the team around to accommodate DMAC and I thought actually this week Paul Seedsman was the biggest... Um, Loss as a consequence a of reshuffling, yep. because yeah, biggest victim because Seed was pushed a little bit further forward um, to accommodate D Mac on the wing, uh, and I just I just didn't think it worked. And the stats show that. I mean, Seed has been you know averaging around about the seven or eight hundred dollars, uh, eight hundred dollars, seven hundred and eight. Say, oh my god, seven to eight hundred meters gained over the last two three weeks. He got a three eighty eight. Uh, this week and um, he was obviously charged with the responsibility of trying to find forward 50 targets and he failed miserably because it's just not his go it's not his go it strikes me as a very I think we have a few players in the team that are like this that have one role that they can play and they can play that to a pretty good standard and they do their thing with seed it's you know outside handball receives kick it long, try and get it to the advantage of other players further up the field, but they're not a a super dynamic player. You know, they don't yeah. have a second thing they can do. It's you put them in the team to do their thing, they do that, yeah. and that's it. Yeah. Whereas a player like, 
I don't know, we've seen that Rory Sloan, for example, when he was in his peak form, could play in the middle, he could play on the wing, he could play up forward, which I don't think applies to Paul Seedsman. Um, and, you know, Paul Seedsman, he can be a fine player, he can be very valuable to the team, but you can't put him in a role that he's not used to because he'll just fail. Yeah. The thing that pointed uh, to me that pointed to Seeds being charged with the responsibility of hitting up targets is a couple of times he didn't pull the trigger from around 50 um, and try to hit up targets, whereas normally he would be shooting on goal. And to me, in his mind, it was, I've got to find a target. And, uh, you know, Al Clarkson is the best proponent going around of playing players to their strengths um he won flags by playing role players to their strengths and i think this is what we've got to do with those sorts of players uh scorpions that you're talking about and seed is definitely one of those where he's a transition player he's uh he's best played um as as the first feed out of the defensive 50 um, he's not someone that's going to hit you up targets. He's the one that's going to get you field position. Um, and if, we, if we're trying to turn him into that link player that Tommy Lynch sometimes is, I don't think he's the right player for that. I found it weird as well that we've spent some time throughout this year playing players to their strengths. We've absolutely done that with a bunch of players, including Seedsman earlier in the year. But then yeah. other players we seem to just decide randomly, hey, this week we're not playing you to your strengths. You know, I've, you've yeah, talked no. a lot on the yeah. cast about playing Fogarty as a midfielder instead of a forward. That's, I mean, I know what we're trying to do there. Is that really playing to his strengths, though? I don't know. No, of course it's not. Of course it's not. And we said earlier in the cast, Scorpus, uh, Nick's bangs on about players being able to show their weapons. Uh, you know, Billy Frampton, go back to the two and he sh- twos and he showed us his weapons. But... As you say, uh, Tom Duday is one at the moment that we're not allowing to show weapons. You know, there's a couple of others. And Seedsman's today, the the role that he was playing didn't allow us to, uh, or didn't allow him, I think, to use his weapon. Brody Smith, I've just got up on the on the screen at the moment, 22 disposals, 17 and 5, 5 marks, um, playing a lot behind the ball at the moment, Brody, um, with reasonable effect, um, 73% disposal efficiency, uh, 17 uncontested possessions, three intercepts. Turn it over a bit, though, nine times. Only had the three-score involvements, as you'd expect, coming out of the back half. Um, 708 metres gained. He's another one. This is the knock-on effect, in my opinion, with um, playing Tom Diday the way we are at the moment because Brody Smith is being forced to play very deep and I feel like we've got... Um, a double-barreled shotgun with Seedsman and Smith that we're just not utilising at the moment. And it all stems back down to how we're playing Tom Diday, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Man. One thing I found interesting, and this is sort of related to what you're talking about with um, Smith having a lot of turnovers, and something I think you've mentioned in the cast a few times, that I've been on, on Big Footy going back at times and um, looking at... in. Some individual players that I've been interested in on Statsboro, you can look at the little highlights, you can see all the, yeah. all the involvements that players have. And one thing I found really interesting, and I hadn't found this out before, was that you can have an effective disposal that is a turnover. And the way <laughs> Champion right. Data seems to determine a turnover 
can be like you kick the ball long to a contest and the player at the contest loses the contest. That's a turnover credited back to the kicker, which makes it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And I think some players like Brody Smith can get burned in that stat when Champion Dow is going, oh, you've kicked that long. You've gained 500 metres throughout the game. You're gaining 50 metres with each kick. Yeah. But you're kicking to, you know, Frampton on McGovern. And, you know, that's an effective kick. You've kicked it to a, you know, a long kick to a one-on-one. That's effective according to them. But then Frampton turns it over. So I think some players get burned hard on that. I'm not sure whether Smith applies in this specific instance, but I thought that was maybe something interesting to bring up. Yeah. I've noticed a few disparities with, with that um, stat. It Often they, the disposal efficiency and effective disposals in general and turnovers often just don't um, marry up for whatever. They don't reconcile. So they're one of those things you take with a little bit of a pinch of salt. Uh, and often it's the eye test um, that tells you the story. And I, I felt Smith was relatively effective uh, in his role today. I, I just think as a team at the moment, we're competitive for periods of time, but we are, it's a very demanding game style that we're playing. And particularly when we're playing an undersized defence, Mac, um, you know, the midfielders are being asked to do a heck of a lot. Oh, you talking to me? Yeah, that's Mac. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, I think we went through that before, particularly we were... You know, with the one guy short and do 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 they being uh, outsized by his opponent and really made what could have been an asset uh, into a struggling uh, almost liability. And uh, uh, whereas if we'd picked the right type of guy, right size guy to stand daling and do they do they being allowed to uh, use the assets that he does have, it would have been a lot better for us. And um, yeah, I think, but. Who knows what what their motive is in doing that doing it that way, but they've they've really murdered uh, Dodo in the last two uh, matches. He's been used inadvertently, I think. So anyhow, um, sacrifice him would be what I would say, Mac. Sacrifice him for some yeah. for for a reason that isn't necessarily clear, um, but there has to be a reason. It's consistent. I hope they don't keep doing this every week. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, now, Harry Schomburg, I've got up on the screen at the moment. I thought, actually, uh, Harry continues to make small steps in improvement. Uh, had 21 disposals today, 12 kicks and 9 handballs, took 5 marks, later tackle and kicked 1 goal too. If you have a look at his disposal graph on the screen there, it was a, it was probably Harry's most consistent game in terms of staying in the game and getting touches for the majority of the game. He didn't have too many quiet periods. Um, he got a little bit more time on ball, I, f- I felt. Played a lot of the time, as you can see there, um, with his tracker in the forward half, 86% in the forward half. Um, but he's progressing nicely, in my opinion. You know, it's interesting. I just wonder how many games Harry's actually played now. Um, he hasn't played all that many. And uh, I-, I think he's coming along really nicely. About fifteen ninety nine, he says. Well, for a fifteen game player, he's a very calm player, as as, as mentioned in the chat, and he doesn't mm-hmm. panic. He tries to use the ball, and sometimes he just glides through. I just think 
this is this guy at least is going to be a part of our midfield pack for the next 10, 15 years, not, not 15, maybe 10 to 12 years, and be a 200-game player because he's got the attributes. He can use the ball very well, and he reads it very well, uh, and he doesn't panic. Um, and I think the more football he plays, the more positions he'll get. He's just got that... He's just got that ability to, to read it and be in the right place. So I've got, I have big hopes for him, big hopes. He's one of the um, few Jonas, players that he, he's one sorry, of the few players on. that we have available that seems able to play multiple midfield roles, which is so valuable for us when we've got players like Keys in the side, for example. Um, yeah. I was I was always super impressed with how he can win clearances if he needs to play that role. He wasn't really playing that role this week, but alternatively, he can win ground balls just outside the contest, which a lot of our players really struggle with. You know, if the ball gets spilled out that little bit, Harry gets into really good positions, and he had quite a number of contested possessions this week. His his rate for that was up where you'd want it to be for a player of his type. So yeah, dynamic players like Schoenberg are going to be vital for our rebuild as we you know, need to phase out players like Sloan as they age and maybe who knows what happens to Matt Crouch in the future. We need these players around. Yeah. You mentioned um, Sloan there uh, and Scorpus and it's interesting that he's, uh, I think he's struggling a little bit at the moment and he's still got another two to three years on his contract, hasn't he? So I just wonder how the end is going to come for him. His role is going to have to change, Macca. He is not going to be able to play an inside mid-roll or an inside-out role much longer. I see him tailing off his career across half-forward. Um, he's not going to remain in that role. We're, the main reason we're playing him in that role right now is because we don't have the cattle. But you get another 50 games into Keys and Shuey and get Luke Pedler on the park and uh, Sam Berry a few more games into him. And I think you'll see Sam Berry and Sloney swap roles as uh, as their respective careers move forward. Um, the only thing that I'll say about Shuey is that uh, it was probably his most wasteful in terms of stats. He had, uh, as I mentioned, the 21 kicks, but uh, only eight effective disposals according to the stats there. Uh, so turn it over nine times. Now, that's quite interesting given the amount of ball he got forward of the centre. So... That might be something that you're referring to, uh, Scorpus, with regards to how those uh, or how disposal efficiency or effective disposals are actually counted. Possibly. Um, Yeah, it's always hard to say because obviously there are times as well where a player can just stuff it up big time. And yeah, he's one of those players that, you know, he's going to grow into, you know, he's going to get those turnovers out of his game. He's a very young player and what I've been super happy with him in that sort of forward half role is that he is actually able to get the ball there as opposed to the multitude of plays that we've played over the years um, that have got like eight touches a game. That doesn't seem to be what Schoenberg's doing. And you can, I I would live with nine touch, nine turnovers, however many you just said, uh, if he can still actually get, you know, 20 touches as opposed to six or eight. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Good point. The the thing that I like about Shuey and I've always liked about him is his composure in tight and his ability to be creative with his disposal. Generally, he'll put a, a teammate into an advantage position or he'll he'll bring a teammate into play and that's 
you know, he's got a long way to go in terms of building uh, body strength, I think, and, and endurance. Uh, but once he gets a tank and a little bit more of a harder body, um, he's going to be Darren Jarman-esque at times, I believe, in terms of his ability to distribute the ball. Uh, he seems to have that extra second. Uh, now, anyone else you want to look at, Maka, before we tidy this up? Uh, no, not particularly, mate. I'm struggling a bit, so I'm happy to wind up anyhow. Yeah, I know, you, I know you're struggling a bit, mate, so uh, we won't go too much longer. Um, just uh, from you then, mate, now if anyone is on the uh, in the live audience and they want to have a say, you've probably got about five or ten minutes, so stick up your virtual hand and I'll get you on before we finish up. Um, uh, one of the what do you think of Rowan? Rowie. We should, we, we, we should Rowie? give Rowie a mention, I think. What do you think about him? I thought Rowan. I thought that was probably one of the best games he's played for us. Actually, um, I thought he uh, he moved around quite. Uh, he didn't just stay in his forward pocket. He moved. Um, he moved quite around the ground, the ground quite well in that forward line. And he was sometimes getting the ball on the wing, and I thought he used the ball pretty well. And uh, uh, to me, that was possibly his best game of the club. How'd you see it, Tim? Um. He's a very interesting player in that, obviously, you've talked many times in the past about how sometimes he just doesn't play a very good game at all, and other times mm-hmm. he manages to kick a few goals. So the fact that he's been able to get away from Adelaide Oval and contribute and not just yeah. be a total yeah. passenger or traffic cone on the field is definitely very positive. I do wonder how much more development he has in him. The thing that concerns me a lot about Roe is that he has no speed. Um, yeah. There were some chases that we saw on the wing, and while he did get a lot of disposal, so you, that, that was a really positive thing, if he's playing on a faster, agile defender like you'd often a small forward would often play on, he was quite often second to the ball in those sort of loose ball gets or whatever they're called these days. Yeah. So, yeah, I th- whether he's a long-term option is... I'm not sure at this point, but he's contributing for now. Uh, we don't really have options that are better at the moment. I'd love to see New Church at some point, but he's not ready in my opinion. So, yeah, I guess that's my opinion on Roe for now. But I I liked his game. I thought it was good. Yeah. I, I, I like the fact that he got up the ground a bit. Um, like you, I'm concerned about his lack of pace, uh, and he still seems to be carrying a little bit of puppy fat. Um I don't like the way there are a couple of times where he collapsed at the knees looking for a free. I don't like it. It cost us a goal in, uh, I think it was the third quarter, where he should have been looking to give off a little handball and instead he was dropping at the knees trying to get a free. That's something that is a carryover from his SANFL games. He's just got to get that out of his game. Um, Like you, Scorpus, I don't know whether he's a long-term proposition. I think he's, again, this is, if we want to go by Nix's mantra, his weapon is his ability to kick goals and to crumb packs. So um, eventually we're going to have to use that. Uh, Obviously we we played him more in a Lockie Murphy role this week because we simply had to. Um, But in the longer term, if he's going to make it as as a small forward in the Stephen Mill role, uh, then uh, he needs to show that weapon more. And at the moment, we're probably not getting enough value on the scoreboard from Jimmy. But 
you know, you can probably excuse it this week. I was really pleased, though, that he was able to put four quarters together. As you said, Tim, uh, away from home, that was a positive. Um, yeah, the, the issue what, with him playing like a, a crumbing role, for example, I mean, you just have to look at our forward line. The, how does he get any space? You, when you see a, a player like yeah. Stephen Milne dominate, yeah. you know, he was roving to a player like Nick Rewalt. <laughs> so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a exactly. lot of space in a dominant team with excellent inside 50 entries. We're currently dealing with, you know, last week, for example, kicking to four tall forwards all in one metre away from each other. And this week there yep. was a bit of that, less less of that, thankfully. But, you know, it's going to take Phil Thorpe becoming an absolute superstar, which he's definitely on the way to being, for him to get that space and separation to do those crumbs and snaps that we want to see from him. But now he's just running yeah. in around with, like, 20 defenders on him. So yeah. that'll come, hopefully. Yeah. It will. Uh, five minutes left, I reckon, guys, before uh, we tidy up. So if you do have something you want to say, uh, stick your hand up now. We'll forever hold your peace. Now, Scorpers, we usually round out our little player analysis by each picking one person we feel is under the pump. Macca, considering you're just about ready to fall off your chair, who do you reckon? Um, well, I've met, um, oh, what's his name? The blonde-haired creature, the Frampton. <laughs> Frampton, Frampton. I, he only just got... I, I just don't... Yeah, I, look, I just didn't think he performed very, very well, really. Um, we just don't have that ability to clunk those marks. We look so much better when we've got uh, Thilthorpe in the gold square and... Um, it's a pity that we have to have somebody for a second ruck in there because otherwise I don't think we need another tool in there at all. Um, I like the, the the mix that we had in there. It was pretty good today, I thought, uh, apart from the fact that Frampton, uh, he just doesn't do enough. And somebody says he's fucking useless, and that's how I see him. And uh, I don't, don't rate him at all. There was a lot of people, including you, Scorpus, who are not a Himmelberg fan at all but I still yep. maintain that of the two of them Himmelberg offers a lot more than Frampton I was really disappointed that they dropped yep. uh, Himmel- Himmelberg yeah I mean Himmelberg for me my issue I've said before in, on Big Footy mostly is that he's a 200 centimetre player that struggles to mark I mean that yep. that I is agree. a big that, that's an issue for becoming an AFL standard player but Frampton is a 200-centimetre player that doesn't get near the ball. So, yes. I mean, you can't mark when you can't actually get anywhere near it. So yeah. I agree that Himmelberg is... I, I thought he was... I don't know whether he was stiff, but he's stiff to be dropped for Frampton specifically. That That's a I real stinger. Stiff. I really thought he was stiff. Yeah. Um, because well, I, I thought... thought was, in, yeah, well, I thought, considering the conditions... Considering the conditions last week against Port, I actually thought Himmelberg did quite well at ground level, uh, and I thought he ran to good positions. It would have been great if he held a couple of marks, absolutely. But I just feel like he plays to the structure a little bit better than Frampton. Frampton seems to be all chaos and arms and legs and all that sort of stuff, whereas Himmelberg will run to where he needs to be. Um, And the issue is not that he doesn't get to enough balls. It's just that he doesn't he doesn't hold them at this stage. Although, you know, people forget second half of last year he was holding them all right. So I was really 
disappointed that they only gave him two games uh, and I felt like we gained nothing from Frampton uh, Frampton got towed up in the ruck as well so um, my uh, my pick in terms of uh, uh, who's under the pump and, I, and it kind of marries into what we're just talking about is Riley O'Brien uh, I think Riley O'Brien needs a kick up the arse to be honest with you and I wouldn't be averse to actually playing Frampton and Himmelberg with one of them being the first ruck and asking Riley just to go back and find out how to be a ruckman in the SANFL. Uh, well, I, I, I think that's pretty extreme, I think. Um, I would say that we would get slaughtered all day in ruck. Um, you uh, pick your I, game, I Macca. Think. Pick your game. Elliot Himmelberg is a very good ruckman. Um, so uh, he would more than hold his own against probably two-thirds of the rucks uh, in the competition. Who we got next week? Melbourne. Um, so yeah, maybe, not against, maybe not against Gorn. <laughs> maybe not against Gorn. <laughs> My issue with dropping O'Brien is that whenever we play to a whenever we have a losing ruck in the team, we have no idea how to play to him. Our entire midfield structure is almost always set up to play to a ruck that can tap it to our advantage, or at least attempt that. So when we chuck in someone like Himmelberg, who I agree isn't that bad in the ruck, Frampton's not terrible either, but they're not going to win as many taps up against most rucks. So that would require us to change our midfield structures and relearn how to play to a losing ruck, which I think would be a very big challenge with the current midfield that we have. I agree. O'Brien is playing like shit, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. it's, I, I feel it's mostly his around the groundwork. He's just not getting involved. One, that was his big 100%. strength. In his, yeah. That was his big strength, strength in his uh, BNF year. He can't, he's not marking it. Again, no. he's a 200 centimeter player that, is taking what like one or two marks a yeah. game. He used to float back into defence, take those very important intercept marks, get involved yep. around the ground. He'd be a link. He's not a great kick, but we used to use him as a link player, sort of like we did with Source. But now he's getting like a couple of good disposals a match, and that's it. It's yeah. yeah. How many hitouts did you have this this match? Fifteen, I think. Fifteen hitouts. He got. He got. Yeah, he got. And a lot of them were in a, a, a patch, sort of second half. He only had eight um, hitouts to the middle of the sec- uh, third quarter. So, uh, you know, that, that's a fair spanking. You know, to only have eight, eight hitouts against Nat Newey until halfway through the third quarter. And then he, whether Nat Newey went off for a little while or whatever, but uh, he, he got uh, in the space of the next half of that quarter he got uh, up to 14 so he had you know six hit outs in the space of half a quarter and then only one in the last so apart from that little burst in the second half of the third quarter he was ineffective yeah and if he had 15 hit outs Nick Nat knew he had 14 hit outs to advantage so exactly that (laughs) six for O'Brien and three for Williams one for Frampton so that's Bailey Williams from West Coast yeah, Scoot Maluk on the on the YouTube chat. Um, thanks for joining us, mate. He uh, wonders whether Rob's injured. If he's injured, can we stop playing injured players for God's sake? Um, if he's injured, just rest him. 
You know, we've got Strawn in the twos. Play him. I mean, that's what he's there for. If you're not going to use him, why have him on the list? I was surprised that we signed Strawn, but I assumed it was to cover for O'Brien. So if O'Brien's carrying him, carrying something, give Strawn a week or two. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, unless we unless we think he's worse than an injured O'Brien, which would be a real indictment on him as a player, I guess. Well, so let's hope that's not the case. Well, it would be an indictment on our bloody list managers, wouldn't it? Yep. <laughs> because we uh, we signed Strong, we didn't have to. Everyone thought he was going to get delisted. Um, the last player, just before we finish up, I just would enjoy uh, everyone's thoughts on Darcy Fogarty being given the keys to the city up forward. Started off with a bang. Well, he looked like a millionaire early, and uh, he ended up a bit of a pauper at the end. Um, in the first quarter, I thought he was just going to take the game apart. Unfortunately, he, he did miss a couple of shots the goal that he would normally kick. And uh, he, I think he liked it a lot better in the sense of having a bit of area to move around in. And uh, he was throwing his weight around quite a bit. I, I don't know whether it's a uh, uh, lack of fitness that, uh, that he can't maintain that for a whole game. He had a little burst again a little bit later in the game. But um, he he was good without being great, as it's been said in the chat. And uh, I, I still think he's, he's there's a... Uh, he hasn't. He's got, he can't sustain it for a long period of time, and I still think he, there is a fitness issue with the, with the guy. Um, but I think he plays a lot better without Tex Walker in the side. What do you think, Scorpus? Um, well, first I should probably say I'm a bit of a Darcy Fogarty fan, so you're probably not going to get me coming on here and slagging him off. Um, I think with Fog. You can clearly see that he is an AFL-capable player. He's yeah. a very high-impact player. So whenever he gets the ball, he something just seems to happen. And I hate, I really hated when people used to say this about a player like Cyril Rioli because I always felt that that can tend yeah. to excuse a player's low output by people saying, oh, well, you know, he kicked a miraculous goal and then he did stuff all else for the rest of the game. So I think there's a balancing act between having Fog be that sort of player and having him be not effective at all. So, yeah, I think there's we need to be persisting with him for as long as we possibly can because we need to see by the end of this year whether he is a future player for us. So that means we need to play him in his preferred position to show his weapon, as Nix would say, so play him in the forward line. Yep. And by the end of the year, given he's out of contract, we'll then have a really good assessment because he'll be in the team for more than just four or five weeks at a time yeah. We need to give him some time with Walker out, with not playing like 20 billion forwards, tall forwards up there. We need to give him this chance. So I think he showed just enough. If I was going to say what is the minimum level that he needed to show to, you know, keep that, give him another ticket to play next week, I think he just did that. But obviously going missing for two quarters in the middle is not amazing. But it did look like he had a hip or a groin injury or some sort of issue that he went off for a little while. But I, I felt it was quite interesting, uh, looking at the stats, that our resurgent period or the period where we looked like we were most matching West Coast, which was from halfway through the second until probably towards the end of the third, coincided with Darcy Fogarty completely going missing. So whether that's indicative of ball movement or whether that's indicative of 
Darcy's running patterns or leading patterns or what I'm not sure I would have to go back and watch that period of the game but I just find it a little fascinating that he he went blank during the very period that we looked most up and about and I, I'm with you um, Scorpus I've been crying out for probably two years on this podcast to give uh, Darcy the forward 50 um, and you know it's terribly unlucky from that sense that Texas had a bit of a resurgence although that seems to have petered out um, but I have a feeling that we'll see Tex in for Darcy next week and I think it's a real shame because I'm the same as you he's an AFL quality player we just have to use him the right way and uh, him and Tilthorpe up forward seems like a pretty good basis for a forward line uh, if we would just persevere I think well Nix was quite positive on Fogarty in his presser, so he mentioned him without a prompt, and so no journo yeah. asked him a question about it. So that's that's a positive, and I think Nix tends to be fairly honest in his assessment of plays. I think he mentioned yeah. a player like Jones as well, out of the blue, which is always good because that tends to indicate they're less likely to be dropped the following week. But then you have a difficult yeah. situation. You bring back Tex, which Nix said is going to happen, do you drop Frampton and play Thilthorpe in the ruck, or are we playing all four of them again? and? dropping O'Connor, which would suck because O'Connor, you don't want to drop him after one game. Um, that's going to be another, you know, do we compromise the structure situation? So I hope yeah. they make the right call there. I personally drop Frampton and just Thorthorpe can play in the ruck for five minutes and call yeah. that a day. Uh, I agree. Mm. Well, I think I think uh, Thorthorpe's been in the side long enough now. Uh, O'Brien generally only takes a couple of minutes. Uh, I'm, you know, we may not even get a bloody centre clear, a centre uh, ruck contest in that time. So I'd be quite happy for to see Thilthorpe, um, you know, play the backup role. Um, and you know, unless Himmelberg or, or Frampton really offer us something uh, at at AFL level, I just think it's it's. I would. That's why I would have liked to have seen Himmelberg get a better run because I think. I actually think the question's been answered with Frampton. It doesn't matter what he does in the SANFL. The question at AFL level has been answered across two clubs and multiple seasons. That Frampton is not... Yeah, he's not an AFL player. Not an AFL player. Um, Himmelberg, I would say the question is 90% answered, but I would have liked to have seen him just get a stretch of four or five games because I do think he's a little bit of a confidence player. And when he's playing well, I think he offers more than Frampton. But if you're gonna if you're gonna draw a line through those two, then draw a line through them, put them on the trade table, do whatever, get rid of them, persevere with your number one draft pick, and your bullocking Tex clone, play them in position, and as we keep saying, you know, allow them to show their weapons. Uh, Pete, Peter Jay also made a really good point on Tuesday night last week, and I reckon he'll probably mention it again. Thilthorpe's an interesting one because he is not Ben King or Max King. He is not a stay-home, big, tall timber. He has got pace. He can get separation. He's got massive endurance. And I would actually like to see... They, they seem to play Riley fairly deep this week. And I would actually like to see the roles reversed. I would like to see Tilthorpe played up the ground. And I think we need to be using him like Nick Revolt. Um, can you imagine a 200-centimetre yes. Nick Revolt running around just burning play, burning his opponent off just with endurance and then having you know Fogarty running out of the square uh, to me that's the setup. 
Well, yep. they originally started off that way, I think, that they had Philthorpe a little bit higher up the ground and Fogarty uh, coming out of the square, and that's when Fogarty was going very well. And then, yep. they, then they eventually moved um, Philthorpe into the square and uh, Fogarty at the centre-half forward. So, yeah, and Frampton. Um, I, I'm as in well, the same so. uh, Yeah, sorry. And uh, I'm in the same camp as you. I, I like the structure as it was when Philthorpe was roaming around with uh, uh, Fogarty coming out of the goal square. Yeah. Uh, look, whatever whatever the setup was, um, and there's a bit of dis- debate in the chat. I, I think that Fogarty is best out of the square, and I think that Thilthorpe can rubber band it um, between centre half forward and full forward, depending on the the game flow. But I think his worth is going to be his endurance and his ability at ground level. So um, I certainly hope we don't play him as a big tall tree in the forward thirty and just keep bombing it on his head. Because again, we'll just be setting him up to fail, and again, we won't be allowing him to show us his weapon. His weapon is his endurance, his strength, and his ability to burn off his opponent. So, I hope we see a little bit more of that. Uh, last one. Yeah. No, I, Sorry, go on, Tim. I'll just say that if we do need a third, if we're playing Thilthorpe and Fogarty, we need a third forward. I still want to see Mackesy. I still want to give him a little bit more of a taste up there. I know he's been playing defense, obviously, for the Sandful, but I still think he has something that could potentially work up there. But, of course, you know, depends on the squad makeup. Obviously, Walker's going to come back, but that's also another option that we have up our sleeves at some point if we need it, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Um, well, we showed when we shifted Murray up forward uh, when he last played that he that had some effect. Um I think either Murray or Mackesy could possibly be a bit of a swingman type, um, depending on the structure and how the games are going, a bit of a shock value. Um, and I don't, I don't mind it, Scorpus. I, I think we need to know uh, with Mackesy. Um, you know, 1990 says that Mackesy isn't a forwards arsehole. Well, he played quite a bit forward in his juniors, so um, I, I wouldn't write him off in that regard. And a couple of times he has played cameos up forward he's looked all right for for us in my opinion so uh, i think we need to know that one um last one both of you o'connor a fairly quiet start but not not disgraced um happy to keep him in yeah eight disposals eight tackles um you know first game uh, i think uh, i think scorpion said it before i'd be very disappointed if he never got given another chance i just think he should be given at least three chances and uh, See what that brings, because I, you know, for a first game, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I haven't been the biggest fan of O'Connor. Um, I argued with <laughs> Phoenix with, about this a little bit on Big Footy. Um, so, you know, I while I don't necessarily, based on what I've seen at the low level, think he's necessarily a long term option for us. You can't bring a player in and drop them. You can't do the Ben Davis treatment where you bring them to Geelong to play at that potato of a stadium and then just say, oh, well, you weren't, you didn't really get involved that much, so we're not going to play you for another year. The issue I had was he only played 56% time on ground. Now, that's whether that's an issue or not, I don't, doesn't really matter. But if a player is only playing 56% time on ground, does that mean that they're going to get dropped because they weren't, you know, fit enough to play the whole game or something? That concerns me that. I, I don't like when a, you look at a player's played basically the whole game, but he's got that sort of time on ground. That is potentially flagging a dropping, which would be, yeah, no good. But I do want to see what he has. So 
We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah, he, need, he needs some more, um, I think. Well, he's been on our list long enough now. We need to know. He's another one that we just need to know. And uh, the only way we're going to find out is to play him and play him in the, in the role that we recruited him for, which thankfully we did today. We didn't hide him away in a pocket. We played him in the middle, which was good. And, uh, you know, a, a tough midfield to get started with, the West Coast midfield. Um, but I felt, you know, in some respects he held his own. He was in and under. Eight tackles, as you said, Matt. Um, needed to probably get more disposals, but hopefully that'll come over the next month if he gets the opportunity. Yeah, yeah the weird thing with him is I noticed he, he was playing a, like a very, very defensive role. Like his role was in the centre yeah. bounce. You'd just stand there, block his opponent, which is very similar yeah. to what Fogarty and Haitley were doing. And when they were in their, those roles, they too did not get very many possessions. So that's a bit promising in that you can look and say, well, he had eight disposals, but if he has eight disposals playing this weird blocker role, yeah, yeah. not a tag, but like a just a block, then maybe he has played his role. Maybe that's what we brought him in for. He did his role. We're happy. I don't, I don't know. It's quite possible, mate. It's selection's hard to work out at the moment. And I still don't think we've got our centre uh, set up right and our stoppage set so the amount of times that West Coast flicked it out the back to two or three unmanned bloody teammates mm-hmm. and just cleared the ball away from a, a stoppage is uh, driving me crazy. But uh, anyway, look, the best thing about tonight, apart from having you on board, uh, Scorpus, is the fact that uh, we've got at the moment two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven people in our little uh, our little uh, studio audience there which is excellent. People can listen while they're in there, which is great. Uh, it's good to have you around, mate. Did you want to give your little puny uh, YouTube channel a bit of a plug before we sign off? Um, yeah, you can go check out Hara Unbox if you want to. I don't come on to plug my <laughs> stuff or anything. I enjoy talking about no. footy. I'll keep, I'll keep all that YouTube stuff a bit a bit separate, but... Um, yeah, maybe some maybe my voice is familiar for some people. Although I did do this cast a while back, so maybe there's still yeah. some people lingering on from from yeah. that. Remember the preview show, but oh. yeah, maybe I'll come on from time to time and have a bit of time. If if I've seemed a bit distracted, it's because I've been madly trying to find the Game of Crows um, music, but I, <laughs> I couldn't find it. So uh, never mind. Um, but if you come on again, I'll uh, I'll try and dig it up. Um, look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord. It's been a great chat tonight, as it was on the game day chat. If you're listening on demand, make sure you get around us on game day. It's a, a really good place to be on our Discord server on game day. Lots of good um, comments, and it certainly makes that watching the, the games more lively. Um, if you want to get around us and give us a couple of bucks, go to patreon.com forward slash AFL Crowcast. You'll notice people that I've put a suggestion box uh, channel in if you've got some suggestions for the podcast or for some of the other content that we do or just uh, if you want me to uh, get rid of something like Macca's bloody beloved 15 minutes of fame weekend results uh, chuck a suggestion in the suggestion box and uh, yeah if you'd listen You're to iTunes, give us a review no, I'm just jealous mate I'm jealous that's what it is it's just the green eyed monster that's all it is all it is I mean, I just, the I just wish the I was you. Show, you're talking about actually, Jesus. I just, I just wish I was you. <laughs> not, not at the moment. You wouldn't right. want to be. All right. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Macca. Thanks, everybody, for uh, coming on board. <laughs> and we'll see you on Tuesday night at eight thirty with Peter J for Tuesday night live. Until then, good night. Yeah. Good night, all. See you later.